You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. And uh, I think here we are. Welcome to America's Web Radio. And, and the Brill Cream Kid's missing again. The empty chair over here. I think uh, I think the NSA got him. I'm not sure, but I, I think that's what happened. The um, NS, NSA was listening in on to some of his snoring on the couch and uh, thought it was some kind of <laughs> mystery code. And, and they just <laughs> you mean like when we had the Indians, the American Indians, do that's the it. codes during World War II? That's it. Oh boy. Well. The rumor has it he's been sighted on the New England Brass and Gas Tour, but it sounds like they've gotten a lot of rain up there this week. So we uh, miss him again. I hope he's here next Saturday. Uh, If he's not, we're all in trouble. We're all in trouble? Yeah. That'll be the 6th, right? Right. That's after the 4th of July. And the following week, I won't be here. So. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Yes, yes, you might have to uh, carry it. Um, You're going to have to take it a second. I got to call my IT guy. I got well, a problem with one of my encoders. Okay, I am going to talk a little bit about ethanol again, one of my favorite topics. And um, the Supreme Court has effectively rejected an effort to block sales of gasoline blended with 15% ethanol content, otherwise known as E15, refusing to hear a lawsuit and leaving in place an earlier ruling by a federal appeals court that confirms the fuel is legal to sell. The attempt to block E15 sales was spearheaded by the American Petroleum Institute, a primary lobbying group for the oil industry. The API claims E15 may damage aging cars and motorcycles and increase the price of certain foodstuffs. Bob Greco, a senior official with API, is reported by USA Today as having said, the ever-increasing ethanol mandate has become unsustainable, causing a looming crisis for gasoline consumers. We're at the point where refiners are being pressured to put unsafe levels of ethanol in gasoline, which could damage vehicles, harm consumers, and wreak havoc on our economy. Of course, supporters of ethanol and E15 believe that the fuel can offer a cheaper alternative to non-blended gasoline, which reduces greenhouse gas emissions and lowers U.S. dependent on foreign oil imports. E15 proponents in the Department of Energy have called into question the research that seeks to show a link between maintenance issues and pre-2001 vehicles, and ethanol as well. For its part, the Environmental Protection Agency has reiterated that the potential sale of E15 does not indicate a government mandate to buy the fuel. USA Today cites Christopher Grundler from the EPA Director's Office of Transportation and Air Quality as saying the government is not saying go ahead and put E15 in all cars. The government is saying this is legal fuel to sell if the market demands it and there are people who wish to sell it. Well, as our listeners uh, realize, both Steve and I have talked about it, as well as David. And uh, when you have a chainsaw or a weed whacker, a garden tractor, a lawnmower, you really have to be careful. And at the end of the year, you've got to make sure that you've got not only a fuel stabilizer in it, but 
something to offset the ethanol, and that's two different uh, components. And I was talking about Kevin Cameron's article a few weeks ago in Cycle World, and Kevin, of course, is one of the great motorcycle engine tuners and builders and uh, an incredibly intelligent uh, technical guy. And, of course, he strongly urges people to be very careful with ethanol. And uh, it affects the old cars, obviously, more. And Steve's talked about this with E10 and E15. And the thing about ethanol that concerns me is that a lot of us don't drive our cars that much. Any, like, um, let, let's say 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And so we really need to put some kind of a fuel stabilizer in there and something to offset the issues with ethanol. Now, the other amazing thing is with ethanol, of course, we all used to use it in race cars. And when you shut the engines down for the season or for even the week, we used to pickle them. And pickle them, we were running gasoline through them just briefly to clean all the ethanol out of the system because it's going to corrode and anything that has ethanol sitting in it in a tank is going to absorb moisture. And, of course, in the south, that's not good, especially with the high humidity that we have down here, and it's going to cause even more issues in the future with these older cars. Um, One other thing that I do recommend when you do buy gas for the older cars is you buy the higher octane. I've been putting 91, of course, in most cars today take 87, and they run obviously better with higher compression because of the computer systems. Well, in the old cars, we're still running carburetors, and uh, they gum up. The rubber parts in the carburetors are eaten up, uh, accelerator pump diaphragms and things like that. And as uh, David and I have found out, either with ourselves or with our friends that call up and say, you know, I'm trying to start my chainsaw this spring and it won't run. You had to bring the chainsaw up. <laughs> my, my good steel chainsaw, yep. I had to take in. They had to yep. redo everything in the new, new gas line, line. Yep. New everything. Yep. I, you know, when I took it in, I asked the guy, "Could I? Should I just, if it's going to be, you know, should I buy a new one, 150 bucks or what? Oh no, no, this is much better than anything you can buy today. I'd repair it. That's his business, obviously. So we're talking 165 dollars later. But do you realize today there's so many protective devices on a chainsaw that. You, you can't wiggle or move or, or it shuts down, and it's just... No, I had no idea. It's like that. lawnmowers. You know, years ago, you fired the lawnmower up and you pushed it. Well, today, or you got to pull back on something yeah. before you can fire it up, and it's just... It's to protect yourself from yourself because... <laughs> because you can't protect yourself. Well... You're not smart enough to do it yourself. <laughs> I don't even want to go in there. <laughs> I think that's a government issue, isn't it? Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. And then they were putting that little P 
piece on the end of the bar so the, the saw wouldn't kick back on you and you couldn't cut stuff. And oh boy. Well, you know, I I, I, I tell you what, I just stay at the point of confusion. Actually, yeah. yeah. What what I'd like to really talk about today is some nostalgia stuff. Hey, listen, you. I had the uh, absolutely the nostalgia hour of my career yesterday. I think uh, what happened? What, as I what man Jack showed up. No, I, I uh, well almost. Uh, no, my first boss, and you were the one that I didn't even know that Paul R. Bean was still alive. And uh, in fact, it's very funny. He's only six years older than than I am, but. When I was when I first started out in radio, he was my boss, and I, and you looked up at him like, God, this guy's got to be you know yeah. forty years old or something, yeah. But he wasn't. But we uh, he's a classic car person, uh, and uh, we'll get him on one of these days. Oh, he gets up extremely early, so uh, Paul R. And by the way, for you folks that are listening and don't know who we're talking Paul R. Bean has gone viral, as a matter of fact, with the article that he wrote. It was actually a commentary that he did on KFYO in, in Lubbock, Texas, on January the 24th, uh, 2013. Uh, and, the, and he was tapped as the uh, right-wing gun nut. But like Paul and I talked yesterday... Uh, we both grew up in Texas. He grew up in northeast Texas uh, on a farm, as a matter of fact. And, uh, you know, you had guns. Well, From you, the time you were walking, you had you had a wooden gun and you went to a Red Rider BB gun. And I went to a pellet gun. And then we both went to 410s. And, yeah. I mean, and, you know, can you imagine? I had a... I had a uh, private parking space at Texas Tech, not because of who I was, but because of who I knew, but uh, I always had a, a parking place, which was was premium back then. Yeah, and, and I'm trying the, to figure out how this relates to guns. Well, <laughs> I drove my pickup every day. With a gun rack. With a gun rack. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I either had a, a, my thirty thirty, or, or I'd have a twenty two with a sight or I'd have my uh, a shotgun. Yeah. Can you imagine driving on a campus today with a displayed weapon? Oh, jeez. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, I, I mean, you used to use those. I mean, varmint rifles you used to protect your cattle. Well, you know, we we had them, and and we carried pistols with snake shot. Yeah, I, when we went out in the woods, I uh, you know I always had a pistol in my my. Uh, I had a, a door glove compartment, if you will. Oh, you had and, a you had a deluxe model pickup uh, then. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> it Did bad. it have a lock on it too? Uh, no. Oh, okay. No, I, in fact, I kept, well anyway, um, that has nothing to do with cars, but uh, you know. That was that was the way we grew up, and uh, and we went into the same talking about that. Uh, you know, uh, these people that don't know anything about guns and are opposed to them. All, it's the same. It's a, it's a sad generation. They're the same ones that don't support the classic cars, or they're playing with their thumbs and have no clue about yeah. cars. Uh, I remember I uh, 
I think I was it was seventh or eighth grade, and I, <laughs> I really wanted a lever action twenty two and I Marlin and I got it yeah. rifle and we used to go out and shoot cans. Yeah, you know we'd take ten or twelve soup cans and go out at friend's farm and. Uh, you know we uh, and, and back then our earplugs were lots of cotton. <laughs> I never wore earplugs until I huh? went, yeah until I went in the military and it was a day late and a dollar short by the time I started wearing well, them. Then, but uh, I, I at least grew up with with some concern. Well, yeah, we never did. I, I mean, uh, it wasn't even a an issue, and uh, I mean we. But then again, neither was smoking. No. No, boy, we're getting really going here this morning. We're talking about smoking. Well, yeah, how many? I I couldn't we tell drank. you how many how many shops I have driven up to with my car, and the the head knocker would be smoking a cigarette. Yeah, and you're thinking, I wonder if this place is ever going to blow up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I uh, you know travel a lot and. Uh, I'll never forget. There were two old guys in an old Chevy Travelall. Now that's that's back. That's like '60s stuff, David. Then they be evolved into Suburbans and things like this. And they were towing a trailer with dog pens, and they had some of the most beautiful hunting dogs I've ever seen in my life. And these these two gold guys and. After our break, I'll tell you a little story about them. Sounds like a wiener. Are you into classic cars? Do you own a classic car? If so, you need to know J.C. Taylor Insurance, the absolute best place in the country for classic car insurance. They own classic cars, they support the industry, and have the best prices bar none. Go to jctaylor.com, get a quote, and tell them you heard about them on Radio Sandy Springs. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Okay, we're back on the classic car show, and we're talking all sorts of, you know, but the, I tell you, you're talking about oh, that, oh, that doesn't have anything to do with cars or whatever. Well, you know, everything has to do with cars. And Paul, Paul and I were talking about this yesterday. That, uh, And by the way, we're going we're gonna to do that. Uh, we're going to air that interview probably sometime next week, maybe even on the 4th of July, and uh, promote it that uh, right-wing gun nut interviewed on America's Web Radio. <laughs> well, let's go back. And but, let me tell you about the two old yeah, guys yeah. in Arkansas. They were out in Texas bird hunting, and uh, the last dog uh, that I had I, I dearly loved, and I wasn't as 
nice and gentle to her as I should be. And uh, she was an English setter. And he had a whole bunch of dogs in the pen. And I looked at him and I said, you got any English setters? Oh, no, I wouldn't have any of those. And he had Llewellyn Spaniels and uh, Britneys and things like that. And I said, okay. And the guy's sitting there. Or standing there with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, running the gas hose, and I decided to back away. And these two old guys from somewhere in North Carolina in this old travel hall, and uh, which was the old two door before they made Suburbans, yeah, yeah. a big you know thing. Uh, paint was faded, but man, it ran sweet. They got in it. They drove it to Texas, towed the dogs in the back, and got back in. They were going home to North Carolina. You know, again, you think about hunting, you think about anything, really, and it comes back to something that has wheels on Jeeps. it. And Jeeps. Jeeps. Yes. Uh, you know, they tried one of everything, but it's all – and, you know, if you went camping or hunting or you went, hell, even if you were going across the desert – and you had a flat tire, the chances of getting AAA out to fix it. <laughs> so yeah. who was responsible for changing it and figuring out a way to get from point A to point B because we done had ourselves a flat? Yep, yep. That uh, reminds me of the Christmas story with the lug nuts when he lost the lug nuts, this, the boy with the hubcaps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and you, your dad always got out and changed the tire. And, of course, it was a little blue smoke, yeah. <laughs> if, but, especially I mean, is... if, if it was raining at the same time, too, or in the snow. I remember putting chains on in the winter as a kid. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've, I've done that. Yeah, with the snow Not and stuff. a bunch, but I've certainly done it and know how to do it. And, and you know, it's not – Paul and I were talking about this yesterday – you don't have to be a mechanic. That's not the point. The point is you need to know what to do well, within your within your scope. Changing a tire, uh, make sure you got water, make sure you know whatever else. Uh, you don't have to get under your car and change the oil, but you need to know when to change your oil or get your oil changed. Normal maintenance, and uh, it just uh, that. That's in, and the, the difference between kids today and and you and I growing up, and and uh, Paul and when we grew up, all in the same same uh, generation, we loved cars. We loved our car. We couldn't wait till we turned fifteen or sixteen to get your driver's license and get a car, and that was sort of very very similar to the uh, getting a gun. Uh, you 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 marched into manhood when you got your gun. You marched into uh, you know the ride of uh, manhood when you got your car. You know <laughs> exactly. Uh, and and the uh, the the fun thing was taking care of it. A lot of people. Oh, yeah. I mean, they don't wax cars today. Remember the old Simon eyes, and you you, you just uh, you rubbed to get it on, and you had to rub to get I it off. I was detailing cars. When I was before I could drive, yeah, well, I did my grandparents' cars. I did my parents' cars. You know, I would wash them and then I would pull them in under the, or have my mother or whoever was at the house pull them in under the, under our uh, garage thing, and uh, then I'd wax them. Yeah, 
And that electric buffer was not an electric buffer. It was my right hand. Yes, me too. And then you have to switch to the left once in a while. Oh, yeah, when you wore it. (laughs) Yeah, because the right was dragging on the ground. I used DuPont car wax. Um... Uh, Out of the can, and yeah. it was a paste wax. Yeah. Me, yeah, I used Simon Eyes, and it was before it was the creamy paste wax. It was like the petroleum-based. Yeah. And then J-Wax, Johnson & Johnson, and Turtle Wax. I mean, and we, we all, everybody, it was like some guys were Ford guys, and some guys were Chevy guys, and some guys were Chrysler guys, and some guys were Simon Eyes guys, and some guys were Turtle Wax guys, and some were Blue Coral. I remember going to... Cadillac dealership sold Blue Coral, and you'd go down and get Blue Coral, and, God, you'd pay a premium price for it. And, oh David, it was it was brutal. How and many it, SOS pads did you go through cleaning the white walls? With Wesley's White Wall Tire Cleaner. That was the wide white walls, and you'd just cringe. I was so happy when they went to narrow whites. I think that's why I got into sports cars and imports, because you didn't put white walls on those cars. But the waxes back then, well, the finishes were different. They were lacquer finishes and enamel, and you had to wax them twice a year. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. I uh, I used to love to do my grandfather's car because it, he hardly ever drove it, and it sat in the garage all the time. Well, that was a piece <laughs> of cake. You just go out and do and it. you charged him. No, oh no, no, no. <laughs> I didn't charge my grandfather anything. Well, I, I did, as a matter of fact. My, my kids growing up, that was part of the fun of it. And I remember one time we had uh, an Azuzu Trooper, the big, mm-hmm. the four-door version. Yeah, that was my, we, my son had an Azuzu Trooper, yeah. loved it. Four, four in the floor. Five. Mine five was five in the floor. In the Maybe floor. it was five. Yeah, and we had the four-cylinder. We bought the base ones and we every couple of years because we lived up north. And uh, I didn't have to worry about my wife going anywhere. But <laughs> my daughter and I, and this was back in the 80s, before the clay, where you clay the car to get the residue off. First thing we had to do, because it, it did live in a garage, but it went through a winter in upstate New York, and that was rough. So we had to put cleaner on it. And you'd use the cleaner polished wax that was supposed to be all things to all people. And it just came out kind of dull. So we ended up then hand waxing it, too. And we still laugh about that today because that was an all-day project. And, of course, Steve's Model A, the blue one, the Westchester mm-hmm. blue mm-hmm. that you saw, mm-hmm. when he got that, I did that car. And uh, it was all done by hand. So... And, of course, he had uh, had the, the fenders had to be rubbed out. I was I was going to color sand them, and I thought, no. And then he had he bought that Studebaker, the 52 Studebaker, 51, the Raymond Louie with the bullet nose and the panoramic rear. And it was light blue, and the guy he bought it from had sprayed another car red, Oh, and it had not covered this car, and oh. you could just barely see it all across the you back. Gotta, you got to be kidding. No. Oh, man. This, that was a challenge to get that off and not damage the blue paint underneath. But I didn't do it with a buffer. I, I, I did it. I was so concerned I did it by hand. 
and uh, polished that one up. That was a lot of fun. But uh, now with uh, Griot's Garage and these radio buffers and everything else, it takes all the fun out of it, the intensive labor that we do with those. I, you know, I, I think I'd fall out of my chair if I drove up and saw a kid waxing a car. In fact, I don't. Even, I can't even remember. It was. It was like you know. We there were rituals that one did, and one of them was taking care of the car, waxing the car, doing whatever else you needed to do to the car. Well, and, um, and the other thing was, and I used to do this. I'd have a girlfriend, and I'd say to her dad, "Would you like your car waxed?" And he'd say, "Yeah," and I'd say, "Well, we're going to take it over in the park and wax the car." And you'd have a car wax date in the in the park, and sometimes uh, it'd take a little longer than normal. Oh, but, uh, whereabouts in Mississippi did you grow it, up? No, I didn't grow up in Mississippi. <laughs> well, that's right. They didn't have cars. They didn't wax them anyway. No. <laughs> sort of like they didn't have teeth. They didn't brush your teeth. No need. Uh, uh, David, you're just uh, <laughs> you're, you're too much. Um. Talking about paint, of course, today it's a two-step process with a clear coat over the top. Yeah. And uh, you really have to be careful with, you know, not using a high abrasive on any of that finish. And that's why the clay works so well and uh, cleans the paint off. And a lot of people don't clay a car, but it really makes quite a difference you know, when, you, when you clay it. And then you can uh, put a mild cleaner polish on it and then if you want to put a coat of wax on it and uh it, it it's i love these wax guys it's like the old shampoo business you know they doubled their business wash your hair rinse and repeat yeah. <laughs> and with with the car guys like oh mcguire's and all those it's well you really should clay the car and then put a cleaner polish on it and then put a wax on it so um, talking about all that kind of stuff, I just got Street Router magazine for September. For September? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I, are, are I we got, ahead of ourselves? I know. I got August two weeks ago. It was like I got them on top of each other. But the uh, magazine has a great article titled "Homegrown Painter: Making It Right When Good Things Go Bad." And it talks about how to correct the most common painting mistakes. Clear coat. And uh, we um, we probably ought to get a hold of somebody like Pete Jackson in his restoration shop and uh, talk to him uh, about what he does painting wise. Well, you know, the thing about paint, the thing about a lot of it, uh, and and I. You know, I know I harp on on people needing to know how, but it's gotten to the point today. Like, you ain't going to take your car out in the backyard and and paint it. You know, that's just not going to happen. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I hear you. You know, and and it, uh, a good paint facility. Uh, they got a lot of money invested in equipment. Downdraft and, paint uh, booth yeah. alone. Uh, so. You know, that's one of those things that uh, you can't just, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something. You know, you need to know when you go in to talk to the person about having your car painted. Yes, yeah. 
or you can be had. Not that you know a reputable shop is it won't, but at the same token, you, you need to be able to talk to them on on everybody's on the same page. Exactly. And, well, and and today with the uh, two step process and things, it's uh, it it takes a real educated person that's good at that kind of stuff that that's been trained in it, and uh, usually a lot of those people are. Universal Technical Institute guys, and uh, they or they go to a school that a community college or a technical school that teaches that because you have to do that today. Well, with that being said, my man, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to leave you in charge and go get me a cup of coffee. So there, we'll be back right after this. Are you into classic cars? Do you own a classic car? If so, you need to know J.C. Taylor Insurance, the absolute best place in the country for classic car insurance. They own classic cars, they support the industry, and have the best prices bar none. Go to jctaylor.com, get a quote, and tell them you heard about them on Radio Sandy Springs. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. The United States Justice Foundation since 1979 has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show. We're going to talk cars now. I hope so. Uh, remember I said earlier we were talking about Dad was a Ford guy and and, and the next-door neighbor's dad was a Chevy guy. and next one was a Chrysler. Yeah, and, and pickup trucks and, and things like that, too. But... I remember a bunch of import cars, like some families, oh, I'm not buying that German car, and then bang, three, four years later, they show up with a Volkswagen in their driveway and yeah. things like that. And uh, there there were some real eclectic cars that have disappeared, and I was thinking about that coming over today on the radio show, or what to talk about on the radio show and I remember seeing a couple of Renaults, and uh, oh, folks, the phone rang. It could be the Brill Cream Kid checking in with us. <laughs> well, you pegged it. Did I? <laughs> That's the Brill Cream Kid. We're going to put him on the air. Uh, you want to go on the air with us? Is that okay? Okay, hold on a second. All right, folks, we're going to. I'm in my. Or headphone three, David. Hello? Okay, there he is. Okay, are you on? Yeah. And, yes, yes, yes. And, and you hiding out in New England on the brass and gas? 
It's over with. We're on our way home. Uh-oh. We just hooked up the trailer and left the parking lot. We're on our way. It'll be about 20 hours or so. Now, did it rain on you all week? Uh, we were really fortunate. Uh, the uh, uh, Monday and Tuesday, we got back and put the trailer away, and then the deluge came. Oh, boy. I, I knew it was going to be a bad week when there was this old guy in a bathrobe with a long beard building a boat in the Holiday Inn parking lot. <laughs> and and, and I, getting two of everything, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we it was, it was a pretty good day. And yesterday was supposed it, 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 the adage for never listen to weathermen and politicians. Yes, neither uh, one of them know what they're talking about. No, it was supposed to be up to three to four inches. So most of the people, us included, took a regular car. And it hardly rained at all. Oh, boy. Uh, where were you in New England exactly? Well, we're, we're based out of Rutland. Uh, and we went, we, saw, we went to Fort Ticonderoga a day and then went to the horse farm a day, the, the Morgan horse, Brenda says, Morgan horses. Yes. And then we went to the Vermont Marble Museum, which is pretty cool because that's the place that did the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers. Wow. wow! Yeah, they were the ones that made it. The, the company that that runs that. So it it was it's a very good trip. Plus, it's a lot of fun. There was probably close to a hundred cars on this tour. That's neat. Yeah, we uh, went to the uh, Morgan Horse Farm. Uh, University of Vermont has that. Yes, yeah. yes, um, yes. They do. Any interesting cars show up? Um, you know, I, I yeah, the, there was a. a uh, a couple big pierces. There was Jerry's Pope Hartford. Uh, there was uh, um, another big pierce that was it belonged to the Singes, a Lozier. Oh, those are beautiful. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, are you still there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah we're in the mountains, so it comes and goes. Yeah, well, yeah, hey, Vermont comes and goes. Yes. Yeah. So, and I'm going. Are you? I have decided, like Pennsylvania, that there's no straight roads in Pennsylvania for more than a half a mile. In Vermont, there's no roads that more than a half a mile that don't go up or go down. Right. It's a beautiful state, though. Yes. I lo- Oh, especially I can imagine what, how lovely it is in January. Oh, it is. Trust me. <laughs> um, <laughs> any uh, uh, brass cars that, uh, small ones like the Maxwell and little ones, or they're just not? Well, there was one. Was one there? That same guy that was in the Brass and Burks was here with his little Maxwell. He only took it out one or two days because the hills here are pretty severe. Right, yes. And you, it's pretty hard with, what, two horsepower or four? Ten. Ten, Ten. yes, yes. Yeah, he was the smallest one here. And then, of course, the the, the squadron of Model T's. <laughs> Are you the squadron leader with yours? Oh, no, there's some guys that have some serious. Yeah, Archie did really, really well. I uh, had, had no issues, but I learned some stuff. Yeah. Uh, and uh, some things I've got, some, some things to do on it for the next big tour. Uh, Engine-wise or wheel-wise? Well, or? I'm gonna, I have not tightened up the bearings on that engine in years. And when I was giving it spark advance, I could hear a knock. Not spark ping, but a knock. Yeah. Uh, so you retard it and it goes away. So that tells me some of the, the, the rods that could stand a, a shim removal. Okay. Not which the... is not a, a big thing. Yeah. So. 
All right. Head, and, the head gasket held and, and the new yeah, head yeah, everything's that's not, fine? That's not a problem. But I met a guy here. I've not had a chance to talk to him before. His name is Steve Bono. He's from uh, around the Rochester, New York area, and he's very, very famous in brass car circles and uh, restores a lot of cars for people. And uh, uh, I was talking about the Maxwell, and he gave me two, three things. He said, I, you really need to look at these before you put that engine on the road. Wow. What are they? Well, one is, he said, the weak point of that engine are the connecting rods. He said, you want to make sure, he said, I use ARP, American Racing Products, uh, bolts and nuts. Right. That's... Just take them off. If you don't have them on the rods, you need to do that. The same with the mains, because that little opposed two-cylinder engine really bangs itself. Wow. Okay. Wow, that... And the cam timing. Okay. Uh, uh, anything, did you mention the coils and you had them rebuilt? and? Yeah, yeah, he said that's cool that you're going to try to run the regular stuff, so. Good. We'll see what happens. Okay. All right. Um, Did you go for a ride in a wicker basket yet? Uh, no, the wicker basket's off. Oh. Uh, it, it's, uh, I saw it last Saturday, and uh, he's figured a few things out on it, like the oiler and some other stuff. And it's a 15 frame, and it might be a 13 motor. He's not. Yeah, or one or the other, I think. Yeah. Said. I'm not sure yeah. which. But, yeah, but anyway, I'm going up Monday and, and drop the trailer off. So, well, anyway, let me get running. We're in some traffic. All right. Well, be careful out there. All right. Talk get, to you later. Travel safe. Bye. All right. Bye. Well, there. Wow. Yeah. Wasn't that? 20 hour run back. Good heavens, towing. Yeah. Well, it sounds like they had a good time. They were in Rutland, Vermont, they went over to Fort Ticonderoga. In New York, and uh, went up uh, to the Morgan Horse Farm at the University of Vermont. Vermont's a beautiful state, as Steve says. <laughs> he doesn't want to be there in January, but I've been there in January, and uh, it, it, it's it's lovely. And there's a lot of car guys that have cars hidden back in there somewhere in the in the mountains up there. And uh, well, you know, it's it's just like anything else. Uh, Vermont is prepared for it. Atlanta, Georgia. Is not, not. <laughs> you know, so yeah, you know, and, and you drive the kind of cars that can handle it up there, and, and yep, joy. It's not the place for your uh, to to take out your convertible necessarily. Well, it is maybe in the summer in on the fourth of July from two to four. That's about uh, it. Well, it's a I I remember working in a dealership. And you never ordered air conditioning in a car. You know, we've talked oh, yeah. about old air <laughs> conditioner units. Yeah. And uh, somebody came in from Florida with a big Pontiac Bonneville convertible. And it had air conditioning in it. Yeah. And and the service. Well, look at this. Yeah, writer. <laughs> and he's, well, why do you have air conditioning in Florida? And, and the owner said, well, son, he said it uh, gets hot there. So we run with the top up and the air on during the day and then we put the top down and turn the air off at night <laughs> and i thought makes sense to me absolutely oh lord um so it sounds like he had fun there were some big brass cars there and uh some very rare like a Lozier, and uh some pierces i assume they were great pierce uh air, they're pierce arrows but they were called the great pierce 
at that time, and he picked up some tidbits on his tee and also on the Maxwell. If we ever get some Maxwell running. <laughs> you know, now, I, somebody's gonna is, that's listening is going to steal this idea. Uh-oh. I guarantee. Uh-oh. I guarantee. Okay. But what we should do, what you and I should do, if we could put our two cents together and bill one, we should, because it's getting there, I guarantee you, if you would ask him what the average age was, I, I would promise you it was over 50. Oh, I bet it was over 60. So what we need to do is build us a, an assisted living classic car <laughs> condominium <laughs> complex. With, with one area for us that are goofy, right? Yeah. <laughs> That'd work. I'm serious, though. You I, think about that. I, I, I agree. Agree yeah. 100%. Have well, you seen uh, some of the, you know, down in the villages, They all of the... Oh, they patients have, there. They buy golf carts, yeah, some, but, and they and they they're modified to do this, to do that, to look like this, to look like that. But they also have a good group of oh, antique yeah. car owners that have antique cars down there. Steve knows a lot of those guys. So we ought to. So, uh, yeah, we could do that. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure my wife would move in there. Well, that, uh, would you care? <laughs> <laughs> won't even go there but it, it that, that's the fun of this looks like those where she beat you last week looks like it's healing pretty good thank you thank you yeah i think my hair will grow back uh that's the neat thing about these tours that they go on and, and not only do you see nice things but you meet other people and share ideas and, and other people may have had some experience with a car that you haven't had and you're ready to start on it. So it, it's a nice, nice way to enjoy retirement. Or even if you're working, to take some time on vacation and do it. But he uh, he sounds like he's got his tee back going well, and uh, I guess he's going to tighten the rods up a little bit. So And ARP makes some great... Uh, nuts and bolts and stuff for these things. They work well. And uh, you, you think you and I will ever be able to go on one of those? Of course, I, you, know, you and I and that Maxwell, and that Maxwell wouldn't move. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I might have a patience problem. I, I'm oh, not yeah? A, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a okay. pretty impatient person. And, gotcha. Yeah. And uh, I could take it for a little while. I'm sure. Sort of like me on a cruise. If I can't step on asphalt after 24 to 36 hours, I uh, have a little ithu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and I can, I can go up and down in an elevator, but I sure don't want to stop in one. No, you know? no, no. Uh, That's why I use the stairs. So it's, um, you know, and, and I think I would be probably the same way on a tour that, uh, I, I don't know, a little, little bit could go a long ways, I think. But, uh, you know, uh, Steve is a lot more patient than I am. Well, but, and and they keep you busy, so that's the other nice thing. We'll talk more about it 
right after this. Did the light turn green and you're still sitting there? It might be time to take your car to Mr. Transmission and let the experts with over 45 years of experience check your transmission. Mr. Transmission of Sandy Springs is conveniently located between Steak and Shake and Sandy Springs Car Wash at 6569 Roswell Road. Look for the yellow and black Mr. Transmission sign or call 404-843-3379. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Are you into classic cars? Do you own a classic car? If so, you need to know J.C. Taylor Insurance, the absolute best place in the country for classic car insurance. They own classic cars, they support the industry, and have the best prices bar none. Go to jctaylor.com, get a quote, and tell them you heard about them on Radio Sandy Springs. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Okay, we're back on the classic car show. And, uh, you know, now that's that's an interesting thing, too. Let me ask, do you, and you're old enough to remember, so you can probably give me the answer. Uh-oh. When did states start doing driver's license? And which state was first? Oh, that's going to – our listeners are going to have to let us know that because uh... – well, you were you were there when they took the first photograph, yeah, so why can't yeah. you remember? Well, that was a tintype, though. Oh. Yeah. Um, That'd be hard to carry around in your pocket, it? Wouldn't would, it? yeah. <laughs> I got Texas didn't have photo IDs yeah. when well, we first started. My no, first driver's license uh, wasn't a photo Iowa ID. didn't have them either, and neither did Missouri, and neither did New York, and neither did Michigan, and neither did California. I've had all those with... Uh, Just paper? Yeah, yeah. Without an, a photo ID, so. But when did when did, uh, and I assume it was for one major reason, so they could tax you for one more thing. Yeah, uh, I I remember, I mean, every passport I've ever had has has had a photo, and I've had passports since the '60s. So that was not the question. I know, I understand, uh, but I, but we're was. talking photo IDs and at that time that's what I you'd use for a photo ID. And I'll give you another one, Uh-oh. Mr. Nordahl. Um okay. How many licenses does I don't know if they still do not. When I was growing up, Texas had three licenses that you could get license whatever plural. Yeah. One was just a regular driver's license. The next one to drive an ambulance or anything else was a chauffeur license. license. And then a commercial license, which I, and with a commercial license, you could drive anything, which I thought was relatively stupid in that I got a commercial license. And if you had a commercial license, then that. Each one outdid the other one. If you had a com- if you had a chauffeur's license, then you didn't have to have a driver's license. If you had a commercial license, then you didn't have to have a chauffeur or you know. Yeah. But you could drive an eighteen wheeler, and I thought, now that's pretty stupid to have a commercial. I couldn't have driven an. I couldn't drive one today. I can drive a truck, and I can as long as the two ends are attached. <laughs> You know, and I can drive a pull a trailer, okay, well, and, but and, a, an eighteen wheel I wouldn't even attempt. But the 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 thing today that's good is 
the motorcycle license because that, I mean, when I was a kid and rode a motorcycle, you just had a driver's license. Yeah, yeah. And I, now today you got to have a, a motorcycle license or the attachment to the driver's license. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. In Georgia? I or? believe so. Yeah. In other states you do, which gets me on my soapbox again. Yesterday, I'm in Charleston. And going Do we down need to street, get you some special music for in, this? In, no, in front of me is a kid on a motor scooter, the Honda scooter, one of the streamlined jobs. No helmet on, but he had a ball cap on. The helmet was bungee corded to the little carry box on the back. Yeah, I tell you what, after seeing... Um, after not only seeing but picking up some splattered pieces from yep. a motorcycle, yep. uh, I'm you know if that's what somebody wants, that I'm not going to argue. But you know, they, before you buy one, they should show the movie of what happens when you do a couple of cartwheels over a car or or a tree or, or a tree or yeah. you, you know. Well, anyway, that's I'm off the soapbox now. I started talking about. Forgotten makes. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to talk about imports. Sure. Because I had seen some. It's your show. Uh, it's our show. <laughs> I, I'm thinking Renault. Yeah, Peugeot and, and Citroën. But then there were other ones like NSU, which is part of Auto Union, which is Audi now. There was Borgward, which was a German car that was very good. Uh, Renaults are still around, aren't they? No, they're not uh, imported. France? No, they are it's still in France, and yeah. so Citroën. Did I tell you my Renault story? No. <clears throat> you know, a Renault, back, the first one I ever saw, in fact, they were about two feet wide and about four feet long, as I recall. Are you talking the 4CV or the Dauphine? I don't I wouldn't. The, it was a four-door, as a matter of fact. Well, but it could it have was, been either one of those. Though. Well, I mean, it was... I couldn't believe how small it was. It yeah. fit on a sidewalk, as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah. So... It's like a My had a, We had a teacher, Ms. Holcomb. Oh, no. You didn't. And uh, you didn't. the boys, just for the fun of it, every not every day, but when we thought we could get away with it, and she would, you know, she'd be parked on the street. So we could literally, you know, they, we, we, were, we were, it was elementary school. We were in the fifth or sixth grade, but we'd pick that car up and put it up on the sidewalk. <laughs> You know, you're lucky she didn't put a razor edge on the bottom of the bumpers. Yeah. And the next time you did it, you picked the car up and your fingers would be laying on the ground. She uh, she was almost as tall as you. Uh, very nice. See, she was she was such a good sport, you know. Yeah. But uh, I couldn't tell you how many times we did it to her. That, you know. yeah. uh, well, anyway, we, we were talking and I mentioned Borg Ward. Auto Union DKW, which is another one. Martins DKW, okay. Da, das Klein Wunder. Yeah, and but they, I mean, was, uh, what about the Martin? Martin, I don't. Yeah. know. what was that? The Martin was a little bitty. They have things that look like them now, but it was uh, like an Austin Bantam or a King Midget. Yeah, it was like uh, a little midget car. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, don't know. My 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 first. Now X for many many years had a, had a Martin, huh? A little piece of yeah, 
I don't, I don't know. I mean, there was Gogomobile and, of course, BMW, IZs, the little ones. Uh, all that stuff's disappeared. All the British cars, Triumph's gone, MG's gone, Morris, uh, Humber Super Snipes. I mean, it, it's just it's amazing. And Suzuki, of course, went away this past year, and everybody's, not everybody, but a lot of people are wondering if Mitsubishi's going to stay. And It's just... Uh, it, it's quite an evolution in this business. And then you go back and you think when we were kids and we talked on the show about domestic cars, uh, Kaiser Fraser and, and Henry J and Nash and uh, uh, what else was in there? Pontiac and Saturn. Saturn's gone <laughs> De, away. DeSoto. DeSoto. Plymouth, all great brands. Yeah. The, the, I mean, Oldsmobile. They, they'd sell four or 500,000 Oldsmobiles oh, yeah. a year. And uh, they're all gone. It's it's just it, it's amazing. I love my my uncle talking about. Yeah, you know it's funny because folks that are listening can appreciate this. Uh, my uncle, my my dad's brother, who I love dearly, um, would have nothing but an Oldsmobile. Well, he was an Oldsmobile guy. Remember, I talked about yeah. Ford guys and Chevy guys. Well, there were Oldsmobile guys oh, yeah. and Buick. Buick, yeah, my well, aunts wouldn't have anything oh, but yeah. a Buick. Yeah, you had to be 55 or older for a Buick. Yeah, yeah well, and, it's and the last time buyer's club. Yeah, uh, but, uh, I mean, I, he, and he always bought the 98. Yep. Top of the line, just below the Cadillac. Yep. Uh, but that was, you know, and... I, I, you know what you were saying, though, about what happened to these cars and those cars. Right. And, and, you, and you look at it, and... I can tell you exactly what happened to them. It's one word. It's called capitalism. <laughs> I'm serious. And you oh, yeah. take the, you take Europe, yeah. and they thought, well, you know, we're socialistic, so whatever we make will be bought. Away. And I and I'm not getting political, but but the fact is, the cars that are still around, Hyundai, Kia, whatever you want, are American-made cars, Ford's. They do. They know capitalism, yeah. and they know how to advertise and yeah. market. You know, I, I laugh. Uh, there's a Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram dealer here in town that has a rather vivacious and tenacious general manager who yells, be American, buy American, and... You look at the top 10 cars built in the United States with American content. I'm not talking about assembled in Canada or Mexico now. They're in a Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, or anything on there. And there's a few Toyotas on the list. And, of course, the top one with the highest content is the Ford F-150. So he seems to get away with his ad pitch. God bless him. And... uh, it's it's amazing though. There, I mean, all right, where does Buy American fall in when you go to uh, Mercedes and you buy the Mercedes that's built in Tus- Alabama, Tuscaloosa? Yeah. Well, you know what's other thing that's interesting? I learned this week the BMW plant in Spartanburg, South Carolina, that builds the uh, X3 and X5 and X6 sport utilities and and the CUV. They export. David, listen to this. Export over 200,000 of those a year, including to China. And when I was at the port in Charleston this week, 
there was a ship from Shanghai that they were putting 800. A Shanghai ship. They were yeah, they were <laughs> putting 800 BMWs on there to ship over there. And yet Chrysler's are built in Canada. In, or, I mean, not Chrysler's, but uh, um, Cadillacs are built in China. Well, Buicks are, too. Buick is the popular brand over there. Buick and Audi are the two big brands over there. I think Buick sells more Buicks in China than they do here. GM so, is big I, in China. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Um, so it's a world deal. Well, Chrysler's, I mean, the minivan's built in Windsor, Ontario. I mean, the Fiat's built in Mexico. Speaking of... Two, two cars just in that I wouldn't have either one, you hit them. But, <laughs> so, um, and Hyundai's are stroke. built in Alabama, and Kias are built in Georgia. So, yeah. And Volkswagens are built in Chattanooga. I went by the Kia manufacturing plant a couple of months ago. Or, yeah, no, sorry, yes. No, it was more than a couple of months ago. Yeah. On a, on a Friday, I think. Yeah. It was a weekday. I can't remember whether. I think it was a Friday. Thursday, maybe. The parking lot was empty, and it was like, "Why is the parking?" I mean, it wasn't at two o'clock in the morning. This was like at after lunch uh, sometime, and the parking lot was empty. And I'm saying, "Do they know something that I don't know?" Yeah, don't know. I don't know either. It was very interesting, though. Well, it's time to put the plug in the jug. And oh, no. Mr. Paul R. Bean and I were kidding about the that, and I, I had to rub it in. 1963, the government mandated that you had to have, you had to have passed your at least a third-class ticket to license to uh, be on radio and to uh, run the board. Otherwise, it was just you'd all before was just a little almost like a little paper driver's license, uh, but it was just a ticket that you were breathing, and the FCC knew that you were alive. And five of us went to Amarillo, Texas to take our FCC uh, test, one of which was a total novice, me. The rest were experienced disc jockeys. Five came back, and only one had passed the test. You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul R. Was, was had his first-class ticket. He was an engineer anyway, so he, had already, he already had his first-class ticket. But he and I were laughing about it. Every, they were so confident that, oh, we don't need to study. I know all that stuff. You know, I've been, I've been a disc jockey for four years. You know. So anyway, with that being said, it's time to put the plug in the jug. We're out of here. Thanks for listening to the Classic Car Show with Mr. Jim. 